t- start off with uh, addressing the bond question. Oh, dude, I was just about to record. Name. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode number 82 of Investing from the Beach. I'm your host. My name is Chris Hansen. I got my co-host with me this today, Mr. Chris Lamb. Hey everyone, it's Chris Lamb. If it's the first time listening to the show, welcome. A uh, quick background on the two of us. We both hit uh, freedom. Um, I got there when I was about 40. Chris got there when he was about 30. That's uh, it's almost 20 years ago for me. It's coming up on how many years now for you? 10 years. It's about 10 years. So we uh, were able to reach freedom via the stock market. Uh, we both worked for IBM. We were in sales. Um, I'm about almost 20 years older than Chris. We figured out once that I, uh, I graduated high school about a week or so before he was born or about a week after, but basically around that time. Uh, if you say, oh, the, the, system's, the, the system's stacked against me and I can't do it and all this other crap and all this other, sorry, opinions that's being shared in the media these days, uh, Chris is an immigrant that came here, didn't speak a word of English, and he got here when he was about five, <clears throat> was able to do it. So he probably has a little bit of different opinion as to whether the system is stacked against you. All it takes is work. We did it via the stock market. Met Chris. He was an intern coming in. as a sales rep at IBM. Chris was uh, interning in a sales office. He ended up getting a job as a sales rep at IBM later on. Realized very early on we both had a shared interest in the stock market. Um, and a friendship developed very quick, and then a great relationship going on from there. So Count him as one of my dearest friends. Very lucky to have him in my life. I was able to it's walk. Not even Thanksgiving yet, man. I know exactly. <laughs> and just so you know, he used to call me. He didn't done it in a while, but he used to call me every year on Thanksgiving. Go, man, he's got to tell you I'm thankful for you. What's going on? And then he'd hang up. <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty cool. Now that I said that, I know he's going to call this year. Um, but we, uh, I walked out when I was about forty. Chris could have walked out much sooner. He stuck around a little bit. He'd call me every once in a while like, how in the heck did you (laughs) stick around here for so long? And my answer to him was, stick it out, learn something there. You can learn how to sell. You can learn whatever it is. But you're way too young to walk away when you're 25 or 28 or however however old he was when he could have walked. He said, because all your friends are still working. And the only people that are out and about in this quote-unquote retired world, <clears throat> which I was then a member in, you know, being about 40, 41 years old, said everyone out here is, you know, old and gray, you know, and they go, they walk the mall for exercise. It is not, not the group you want to hang around. So you got to, you got to have some purpose that you're going to want to do when you get out. And you might as well learn some skills on somebody else's dime while you're doing that. Now, it's funny because if I look back on it, I don't know that I would give you the same advice today. <laughs> you know, and I don't know that I wouldn't. I mean, you learned some good stuff by sticking around. Yeah, you did. But I, I, I could now that I know different, I might give you a different answer. I don't know if I would give you the same answer looking back <laughs> on it. <clears throat> I don't know. Looking, if you could back up time, would you have stuck around as long as you did? Would you have stuck around longer? Mm, definitely not longer. Uh, but you know, it, I think it's the the timing was right. Whenever it was, uh, you know, no no complaints. But could, would, uh, if you look back, I mean, if you had to do it all over again, would you have left earlier? If earlier, maybe a little bit earlier, but not so much earlier. Like a year? Uh, I mean, not, not yeah, five maybe years maybe a year early. at most, too. You know, but uh, again, you know, uh, in hindsight, it's always easy to say it because, you know, if I'm coming from the mindset today, then yes, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but based on what you knew at the time, then that was the right thing to do. Correct. Yeah. So cool. Purpose of the show, we, you know, there's all kinds of, you can go on and go search YouTube. You can find, a, you know, if you find 10 people that can tell you how to get rich and wealthy, uh, they'll give you, you know, not, they'll, you won't just give you 10 strategies, they'll give you about 110 strategies. So everybody's got the answer. Um, some of them have done it online, some of them haven't. Some of them are trying to make it online by telling you how to get rich, but they haven't got there themselves. That's always interesting to me. But we, uh, we both did it via the stock market. Um, if you're interested, full disclosure, I teach a class on it. If you want to go check it out, you can. If you don't, no problem. Uh, go hit the website, investingfromthebeach.com. Click around up there. There's a tab there that, that talks about the class that I teach. If you're interested, terrific. If you're not interested, terrific. What we found in doing this, in reaching freedom, was that most people focus on the how to do. 
the cookbook, the mechanics, the, the rules, whatever it may be. And that really is only about, at max, 5% of what it takes to achieve freedom. 95 plus percent of it is how to think. And that's the purpose of the podcast. That's what we talk about. The reason the podcast idea was born out of a guy who sat in the class, he's very big in the podcast world, sat me down one afternoon and said, you ought to do a podcast. I had no idea what he was talking about and figured it out, but 82 episodes later, here we are. We don't do a, we don't take ads. That was one of the first things he had talked to me about. He said, you realize how much people make doing ads on podcasts? <clears throat> I was like, okay, yeah, but nobody knows who we are. He goes, yeah, but they will. It's like, yeah, we're fine. So... Chris, how much money do I pay you for doing a podcast? Or how much money have I paid you? I haven't paid you a dime. Zero. Right? And how much money do I make for doing a podcast? Zero. So we don't, we don't draw a dime from this. A little bit of money out of our pocket. <clears throat> Not a big deal. I guess it's quote-unquote sponsored by the stock class, which is me just you know taking some money that I earned from that. <laughs> <laughs> pay for the podcast. Podcast is actually pretty cheap to run if you're interested in running one. Um, you go ahead and do that. It's... Uh, very inexpensive way to get your message out there. And you did have to buy me a microphone and a headset. That's true. I forgot about that. So, yeah, there is a, a couple hundred dollars that I invest in him sitting on his desk, and he dusts it off once a month or so when we, uh, when we sit right. down and do this. But net of it is, my suggestion for if it's first time listening, take a listen, see if our, uh, if our stupid jokes and dad humor and whatever other things resonate with you. And if there seems to be some wisdom there, awesome. That's terrific. If there's not, then you won't make it through the full episode anyway. It doesn't matter. And then I would suggest you, you know, maybe listen to one of the later episodes, see if something grabs you. And then at some point, go start over at number one. And the, the how to think aspects, we describe really in episodes number one through maybe about 10. I've had lots of people tell me that they've gone through all of the 80 some odd episodes multiple times. What a lot of times people do is they'll go through it once and they go back through it a second time and they start taking notes. And I get all kinds of neat notes from people, those that have sent in commentary and, and thank you notes. I truly appreciate it. I, Chris doesn't read the emails. I sometimes forward it to him, but usually I don't. I just kind of sit on them and tell them we got a cool one, but I don't tell them what it is. And I yeah, you, you don't share all the warm and fuzzy feeling, man. <laughs> no, I don't, but I also <laughs> don't give you the to-dos where people ask me to answer questions and all that, so... If you want to put in some of the effort on doing the to-dos, and I'll share the love with you, too. <laughs> so you got to, you got to pay the price. <clears throat> but if you've got thoughts or comments for us, love love getting the notes and uh, the phone calls and the emails, you can reach us at investingfromthebeach at gmail.com. If you want to catch us on a phone, it does ring through to my cell phone. And if I'm available, I'll always answer the call. Uh, that number is uh, 747 Wow, I forgot the phone number. 747-242. Beach. <laughs> yeah, it is 24 Beach. It's 747-242-3224, I believe. But the idea on it is uh, jump on a 747 airplane anywhere in the world. In 24 hours, you can be at any beach in the world in concept, in theory. And that's our phone number. <clears throat> if you've got ideas for a future episode for us or comments on the prior one, love to hear them. Drop us a note, and we'll go from there. Uh, let's see what else, Chris, we're going to talk about anything. We're giving people advice today. I don't think so, but in case we do case, just in case, understand Mr. Lamb and I, I guess you'd call it Chris. You know, you got two guys, same name, both named Chris. One of us is smart. One of us is good looking. You got to figure out which one is which. And we switch those roles all the time. Neither one of us is employed. Neither one of us has a license. At one point we did. We both had a securities license for a brief time. Both dropped it. But what that means is by us not being licensed and unemployed, we are not qualified, according to the SEC and the self-governing body, which is known as FINRA, we are not qualified to dispense any type of financial advice or whatever else, which is totally fine with us. <clears throat> and so the idea or the suggestion would be if, if you hear us talk about something and it sounds like we're giving you advice to buy or sell something or take some kind of action, we absolutely are not doing that. And strongly encourage you to go talk to somebody that is employed, that has a job, clearly knows what they're doing because they're still working. Lamb and I don't work anymore, so clearly we must not know what the hell we're doing. And talk with them, get their input, and take appropriate guidance as you see fit. Hey, by the way, Chris, I know since we're both unemployed, I saw I was out of town this past week. 
I was at a Shake Shack, which I'd never been to before, and walked in. It was um, you get me a res- you get me a uh, an application, a thousand dollar sign up bonus to work at Shake Shack. Sign was right out front. Um, it's like oh, interesting. Happened to mention when I went in to pick up the food. Um, just I happened to see the manager. Yep, I said a thousand dollars to sign up. I kind of looked, and she looked. She said, we can't get people to work. So what do you mean? She said, the government's paying them too much to not work. Nobody wants to work when they can stay at home and make the same money. Ah, interesting. Interesting. So we're going to kind of hint around that today. But if you'd wanted me to, I could have passed your name on. (laughs) (laughs) So if you do want to find out if you don't want fries with that burger, you just let me know, and we'll... uh, I don't know if I get a referral bonus. I can get part of that. You can have all the thousand if I get a referral bonus. You know what's funny? I I, I used to have this uh, as a thought. Like uh, after I left IBM, I thought like you know maybe one day I'll uh, I'll just go apply at a fast food just for fun. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, work work there for fun because I've never done it. Right? I saw uh, something. But I would have to lie. <clears throat> yeah, I saw something the other day. Um, I think it was yesterday or today that TSA is hiring. And I thought, man, can you imagine if I were to go work at TSA, right? So I'm one of the guys checking your bags you know, mm-hmm. as you're going through the airport sign-in thing. And to see mm-hmm. somebody that I know, I'd be like, mm-hmm. wait, what? <laughs> dude, <laughs> dude you're, you're teaching me how to trade the stuff. What are you doing? <laughs> World blown. <laughs> this is not cool. Or if you ask them if you want fries with their burger, that would be pretty interesting. Yeah. That'd be kind of entertaining. Yeah, you just you just tell them I'm living the dream. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I am in control. You better be nice to me, or I'm gonna you know send you to the uh, the other checkout spot where someone's going to be a pat down and go through your luggage. <laughs> so nonetheless, um, let's jump in today's topic. So we often talk about the pro-con of stocks or real estate or you know selling stuff on Amazon or small business, whatever it may be. One of the things we gloss over a lot is bonds. And we don't talk bonds. I will say we may mention it if we talk about an article where someone's talking about it. <clears throat> but Chris and I never say a word about it. And there's probably, if you think about it, there's probably a very strong reason why we don't mention it. <laughs> So, but let me, and I, I think very few people understand bonds and the relationship between interest rates and bond prices. So let me do a real quick explanation on this and you can see why we're not interested in bonds. Um, the way to think about it is interest rates and bond prices go in opposite directions. You can summarize it or simplify it that way. So if interest rates go up, bond prices go down. If interest rates go down, bond prices go up. And let me explain the math on this. I'll do it in real simple terms. And then, Chris, when I'm done, you tell me if I could have said it more easily. Let's say that today interest rates are 2%. So if you were to invest your money in a bond, the going rate is 2%. And you can go get a, a corporate bond, so maybe you... And they usually go in denominations of $1,000 if we're talking about corporate bonds. And corporate bond would be IBM wants to uh, raise some money so they sell bonds to the public. And they do them in $1,000 chunks. So when you buy a single bond, it costs you $1,000. Let me make it way oversimplified. It's corporate debt. Corporate debt. Yep. And so IBM will, they'll say, hey, I'll take your $1,000 and we'll pay you 2% a year for, and that's called the coupon. It's the payment that comes in. It's effectively the interest rate and the payment. And we'll pay you that rate for whatever the life of the bond is. Usually it's 10, 20 years, but they have an expiration date on there. To make it simple, let's say we find a bond that's paying 2%, which is the going interest rate in our hypothetical example. What that means then is that if I buy that bond, let's say the bond face value is $1,000, IBM or whoever is the company that issued it will pay me 2% per year. So I will get a a check for $20 once a year. Now, they may pay me quarterly, which means I would get $5 every quarter, but it works out to $20 in a year. And let's say that I continue holding that for a few years. Every year I get a check for $20 or four checks for $5, whatever the math is. 
And now suddenly, for whatever reason, interest rates rise. And now, if somebody were to go, the going interest rate is now 3%. And so now somebody comes out and they say, oh, I'd like to buy a bond because I want to invest my money in something that pays 3%. And now if I want to sell my bond, you stop and think and say, wait a minute. So if my bond was paying $20 a year when rates were 2%, If rates are now 3%, no one's going to want to buy my bond that is only paying 2%. Yeah, for what you paid for. Correct. They're not going to want to pay the $1,000 that I spent because they're going to want to earn 3% on their money because they can get it anywhere else. Why would they get mine for 2%? And so if I pull out my handy-dandy calculator, easy way to do this, If if my annual payment is $20, and I divide that by the interest rate. So divided by 0.02, that gives me the price of the bond is going to be $1,000. Said differently, $1,000 times 2% is $20. But now if the bond is paying me $20, and now the going interest rate is 3%, if I divide that by 0.03, that says my bond is now worth $667. If you do the math on that, 667, whoops, times 0.03 gives me $20. And so that says if I want to now sell my bond, I'm only going to collect $667 for it. And that's what it would go for in the open market, ignoring commissions and all the other stuff. And so that shows then that if interest rates rise, bond values drop. Now, why do I care about that? Well, if you look at where interest rates are today in the, in the, historical cycle. We are at all-time lows. And to me, it wouldn't make any sense to go out and buy a bond when interest rates are at, let's say, 1% or 2%, whatever they are. At some point, interest rates are going to rise. And what I spent $1,000 on to make my 2%, my $20 per thousand, when interest rates go up a little bit, I now won't be able to sell that little piece of paper that I spent $1,000 for. I won't get anywhere close to $1,000. And so in a low interest rate environment, and again, we're not given financial advice, but in a low interest rate environment, absolutely nuts in my humble opinion. Chris, would you agree or disagree? Absolutely nuts to to buy a bond. All right, wise one, how would you say that more simply? For those that didn't understand it, don't want to have to rewind key. <laughs> well, um, I, I guess I would generalize it. I wouldn't go to, not even into the numbers as far as calculating the bonds. I would just say, uh, you know, uh, if you look at the way companies finance, uh, either they sell shares or they issue debt. And so debt is basically the bonds. And so for that debt, you got to pay an interest. So that's what the interest that Chris is talking about. And uh, usually that is based on the interest rate that, uh, you know, the government uh, or the banks are uh, 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 paying. paying. And so, you, you know, you have basically a, a no risk interest rate. Right. And so uh, if if the bonds are risky, so that certain bonds are are. I guess, uh, grade it differently, right, based on the risk of the company. And so the higher the risk, the, the, the more they pay. Um, and so uh, if if I can get a certain amount of interest at risk-free, then if I, you know, take on this bond and there's a certain amount of risk, that is, you know, more than the risk-free, right? So I, I essentially, I would look to, I, I got to get paid a little bit more than what the risk-free interest is. The company will the pay banks. a penalty, if you will, by by having by them having some risk that they won't pay. Correct, correct. I'm not worried about yeah. IBM not making a payment. Could it happen? Yes, but yeah. I'm not too worried about it. But if I went to ABC Biotech Startup Company, I'm not so sure about their likelihood of being able to generate enough money to pay the debt, which mm-hmm. means they're going to have to pay a higher interest rate. Yep. And so uh, if the central bank starts to raise rates for some reason, they, they, they decide to raise up rates, that means I can get a better rate, you know, risk-free now. And the uh, prior bond that I bought is now worth less, right? Because if, anybody, if I decide to buy new bonds, 
um, I can get in at a at a, at a much uh, higher rate because of that risk-free interest rate went up. So as rates go up, the bonds that I bought will will definitely go down in value. And then the reverse of that is true as well. If that doesn't make sense, do you hit the rewind key and go back that up and listen to that again? And it's it's a very it's a very simple concept once you understand. You look and go, oh, that's so easy. I get it. <clears throat> and yet most people don't understand it. But you know, typically bonds are uh, they don't pay very uh, well uh, in in interest. Uh, I mean, if you compare it to equities and you compare it to uh, other places that you could store your dollars for. Um, and so, you know, in this environment, what Chris is talking about, because the interest rate is so low, um, the bonds aren't really paying out not much at all. And uh, you're actually exposing yourself to a lot more risk by, you know, getting into these bonds uh, because there's a there's there's always a chance for uh, interest rates to rise right from these levels. And when they do rise, then you take a hit on your bond that you bought. Yep. So now, why are we talking about all that? So we got a number of things. You'll see we're going to do an end to run, end run around to talk about stuff. There's a gentleman who has been written up a number of times over the years. Or I don't know. Maybe he writes himself. Maybe writes up his own article, submits it to CNBC. <laughs> um, I'm sure he's an awesome guy. This is not ripping on him. We're just explaining. We're using him as a, an explanation of concept. Uh, I believe it's Steve Adcock. Not sure. I may have the mm-hmm. name wrong. If I, if I have it wrong, we're just going to go on concept. The story on him is I read on CNBC, and Chris, you, you and I have read the same articles. I believe he retired, quote-unquote, at 39. Um, but he's not really retired sitting on the porch, you know, watching the sunset. Um, he's doing side jobs to get extra income. Whatever those side jobs are, I don't know. Um, he lives in, the I think, small-town Arizona, so his cost of living is inexpensive. Uh, married guy. I don't believe any kids, lives a very, maybe austere is too strong of a word, but lives a very lean lifestyle. It's just a little bit uh, above camping. <laughs> right. I'm being polite. Chris is being honest. <laughs> we have truth and we have reality. <clears throat> um, and his claim is he's, he's got $1.2 million in the bank. And he'll go in there, and the recent article we had on there was he said, you know, people that try and tell him the stock market, they're fools, it's a risky game, it's not going to work. All right, no problem. Chris, you haven't worked for 10 years, you're coming up on 20, and we figured out how to time the market. So we have different opinions on that, but that's fine. His objective is to not withdraw more than 4% per year of his invested capital. So if he's got a million two, that says he's living on 4%. At most of a million two, so he's living on a max lifestyle of forty-eight thousand dollars a year. Chris, you've got a new addition to the family. If I mm-hmm. remove him from an expense perspective, can you live on forty-eight grand a year? <laughs> no, none. Yeah, I mean, I if I had to, but no, I mean, in, in your lifestyle, and you don't live big. I, I, yeah, I, no, I can't. Now let's ask this, Chris. Let's say you didn't have a housing no payment. Right, mortgage, rent, whatever you're paying. Can you live on forty eight grand a year if you remove house from it? Mm, without the kids? No, with the kids. Oh, I was saying with no kids. kids. Yeah, no. I, I don't. With no kids, maybe. Without the kids, uh, I don't. Or with the kids, no. Yeah. Now, without yeah. kids, do you want to live at a forty eight grand a year lifestyle, assuming housing is no. paid for? Remove no. our largest expense. Yeah, I mean, I mean. It, it, uh, like you know, because he's not single. He's you know he's married. Forty eight is for he and his wife, right? Yeah. Yep. Two people. So for a couple, no, definitely not. <clears throat> I mean, if you had to, could you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is that how you yeah. want to live? No. No. Not at all. And so, like, I mean, you know, California charges me. <laughs> I don't know what seven, eight thousand dollars for not having health insurance. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And so. You look at that and think, I mean, it's admirable that someone can live at that lifestyle. If you want to do it, cool. But is that something you want to do for the rest of your life? Like, ah, come on. I want to live, if I want to live like a king, I want to have the ability to choose to do so. Mm -hmm. I may choose to live lean, no problem. But I want to do that by choice, not by force. Correct. And I also want to have the freedom. So if I, if I can live at 48 grand a year, 
but I also want to have the comfort or the cushion that says, what if something goes awry? Mm-hmm. What if you get sick? What if you have an unexpected, you know, large expense at the house or on the car or a health concern or who the hell knows what it might be? I don't want to be stressed out that I can't afford to pay that extra expense amount. Yeah. And so it's like, hmm, not sure I follow that. But what was most eye-catching to Chris and I is that his comment on his money management strategy, he doesn't spend any, he spends an hour or so a month checking his investments. And he's got this automatic plan that slowly moves money to bonds because he believes they're less risky. And I read that and I go, whoa, my first instinct is that is totally wrong thinking. Mm-hmm. Chris, you're in the same boat, I believe. Yeah, definitely. I, I think, um, I mean, you can admit and go, you know, I'm lazy. I know there's that pro- there's better ways out there, but uh, I'm lazy. At least you can admit that. But, if, mm-hmm. you know, to say that uh, this is the better or this is simple and easy way and, uh, you know, people can't time the market. So why am I trying? You, you know, to me, that's that's uh, because you don't how how will you ever get wealthy or. Um, if you believe you can't, correct, uh, or, or you believe that you can get get more than that in return, yep. So he's basically saying that there's not, you know, people out there aren't getting better returns than what he's getting, you know, or doing it better, he, you know, because if if you think that there's better ways, then it's possible, mm-hmm. and you, you're going to be able to open up and open and, your eyes. Uh, yeah, you're going to open your eyes, and you're going to you're going to you're going to learn. But uh, because he he believes this is the best that he you know he can do and that's it, you know and and he's comfortable with it. And because he believes that he's right, yeah. that he can do. I, that's not my world. At so all. it was very interesting just to hear that comment that uh, says, "Hey, you can't time the market. You're a fool to do that." And uh, you know this is I I gonna set it and forget it. Yeah. <laughs> so Chris, you wouldn't be offended then if I called you a fool and you could call me a fool. Correct. And in his view of the world, we both are. Mm-hmm. In our view of the world, I'd say, dude, you're brilliant. And you better tell me I'm brilliant too, or good looking, one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> but so, and we bring that up. And now if you've been sticking with us or, you know, been listening for a while, our last few episodes, we've talked about inflation. Now we're going to talk about it again on, on this episode. I probably won't put the, the word inflation in the title. It's something for, you to th- for the listener to think about. Why do you think we keep talking about inflation? Is it just something we just learned the word? Or like, <laughs> hey guys, heads up. There's yeah. something going on. Right? Wake yeah, up. Yeah, because I think also not many people understand it because uh, they're kind of being misled uh, uh, what the term inflation really means. And I think we, we I mean, you can reference that uh, article that, uh, you know, I shared with you that said, uh, Prices for used cars. It was a headline on CNBC that says prices for used cars, uh, gasolines, food, and airfare uh, are driving inflation. Say that again, Chris, so people hear it. Prices for used cars, gasoline, food, and airfares are driving inflation. When I saw that article, I, to me, it just sounded ridiculous. You know, <laughs> maybe to many people, oh, okay, okay. It's, it's so untrue. It's beyond yeah. It's beyond crazy. Yeah, it's like, how are prices of used cars, how are prices of these items driving inflation? They're not driving inflation. They're the, re- they're the result, result of inflation. Exactly. Yeah. And if that didn't make sense, hit the rewind key. So you hear that a couple times. We'll, we'll talk about more stuff as you go into it. So it's not that increased prices for those four items are driving inflation. It's inflation is driving the prices of those four items to go up. And not just mm-hmm. those four items. Everything is going up in price. Yep. So is it that's just driving inflation? Or is it because there's more money being pumped into the system? Mm-hmm. You think, well, if there's more money in the system, that means that there's um, the value of what I'm using to buy whatever product is or service that I want to buy. Those things, each one of them, each dollar becomes worth a little bit less because there's more of them out there. And so thus it takes more of them to buy what I want to buy. And that is showing up in the prices then of used cars, food, airfare, gas. 
Yeah, so the you know that term inflation is thrown around and it misleads people to think that uh, oh, rising prices is the cause of inflation. It's like no, 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 <laughs> right? Inflation, it's the money supply that is being inflated. Yes, and that causes prices to rise. And uh, you know why did we bring it up? Because in you know uh, Steve Adcock's situation where he's investing in bonds and trying to get that four uh, percent whatever return, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's not even keeping up with inflation. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> that's the scary thing. And I hope Mr. Adcock doesn't, this is not wishing ill will on him. I hope he does well. I hope he never has to go back to work again. Um, but, and again, we're not advisors, can't give advice. If somebody were to call me and tell me that was their plan, I'd have a very long sit down with him and say, here's where in my humble, uneducated, un, uh, what do you call it, unemployed opinion, Here's the flaw in that thinking. Because that could come back and bite you in the ass hard. As we're recording this, today was a, uh, a nice down day in the market. Say nice kind of in quotes around it. I think the Dow dropped seven, eight, nine hundred points. I remember what it closed. It was down 900 points at one point. I think it dropped like 700 something on the day. So down what, two-ish percent, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um it's been a while since we've seen it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, finally, take a little pressure off this thing and see if we get a downdraft here. Now, if you're new, you're going, wait, these guys want their prices to drop? It's like, not that we want them to drop. The prices have been rising because there's more money flooding into the system. It's got to find a home. It wants a return. And so it goes into places where things are rising. Asset prices are going up because of the money. And so it's rising as a result of that. That can't go on forever. That has to self-correct. When you get government intervention on that, stuff gets screwed up. Going back to the article where it talked about airfare and used cars, et cetera, et cetera. Personally, it makes sense to me that airfare prices are rising only because they were at such a low rate to encourage people at home for fear of COVID that didn't want to leave the house. Mm-hmm. Right, you're able to get flights to Hawaii for I think there was like a hundred bucks, LA to Hawaii or something like that, some incredible cheap price on a one-way fare. They're not at that rate anymore, and so now there's now with more demand, just like anything, if more people are chasing a product, the price is going to rise. Plus, there's fewer seats on airlines, as a lot of the airlines, you know, went and parked their planes out in the middle of the desert in, in California. Yeah, they're not operating. Yep, exactly. So there's fewer seats. You've got more people chasing um, a small amount of product. Price is going to go up. Coupled with, we've got the White House or the administration is flooding the system with money. And now, yeah. as I saw evidenced at, uh, at Shake Shack and TSA and everywhere else, they're having, people are having trouble finding labor. People are not willing to go back to work because we're getting paychecks to stay home. Yep, exactly. It's like, well, why should I go out and work and make whatever, you know, whatever salary I'm going to make when I can make as much or close to as much and sit on my ass and watch TV or trade stocks on Robinhood? Yeah, I actually heard uh, instances or more instances where people are making more staying home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so does that bode well for society? Not at all. You can't have everybody sitting at home taking a handout from the government. But now some of you will look and go, dude, we got much more important issues to talk about. Right. So, so Biden or, you know, the administration is flooding the system with more money and they're giving people to giving money to people to, you'll hear it say, well, it's around helping people with COVID and there's some people that need it. No question. But, they're giving it to other people. I kind of wonder if they're not just buying votes. Like, not kind of wonder. I strongly believe that it's being used to influence the voting behavior of folks. Mm-hmm. But maybe we should be talking about more important issues, Chris. Let's talk about systemic racism. Let's talk about wealth inequality. Yeah. And so now, when we talk about systemic racism, Chris, I know we were joking before saying this, like, how come we don't have a lot of Asian rappers? How come we don't have a lot of Asian basketball players? Right? Is that a system flaw? <laughs> yeah, so. I mean, you know, you could you could uh, you could blame uh, the, the the skin color uh, for anything. You know, uh, when you 
um, you, you you look at what the results are, right? Mm-hmm. You go, hey, look at the results of uh, you know players in the NBA or professional sports, and you're like, how come there's no Asians there? Yep. Right, and or or, or very little. Yep. And then you say, well, oh, there must be racist, you know, skin color. <laughs> it's like no, <laughs> right? Yep. Uh, yeah, how about in entertainment? You know, how come there's not a lot of Asians? Mm-hmm. Uh, you're because you're not fucking funny, man. That's why. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, oh, you just made it. Nope, now you're back. Did you pull the plug on your speaker. No, 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 no. I think you need to buy me a new uh, speaker at some point. Oh, okay, no problem. <laughs> or a mic. <laughs> no problem. We can do it if we need to. So Is whatever you said, ten, yeah, you're fine now. Ten seconds ago, I lost you. Yeah, earlier uh, you said uh, in the introduction, you said you met me and when I was an intern and in, you know in sales, right? And uh, how many you know Asian uh, uh, go into sales? Very little, you know. And and it's not because um, you know skin color, nope. but it really has to do with culture. It's culture. Yeah, and most of my uh, friends that I you know know grow, knew growing up. Um, if I, I thought about him like me, man, most of them are either in the healthcare industry as doctors or in, or you know, in engineering uh-huh. some sort. Yeah. So it's a cultural issue, right? So you mm-hmm. get, I won't say pressure, but I'm gonna call it pressure from home. And if, if you look at your friends growing up, most of them immigrants. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, yeah, some were born here, but, or uh, kids of immigrants, mm-hmm. right? Either the parent immigrated here, or the yeah. the kid was born elsewhere, and they they were brought here when they were young. Mm-hmm. Right, but that was the predominantly what you had around you growing up, right? Mm-hmm. Would you say 80, 90 percent, something like that? Mm-hmm. Either first or first, or either not born here or, par- or sorry, born here, par- parents were immigrants. Mm-hmm. And in that culture, there's encouragement, pressure, I don't know what you want to call it, one or the other, to that school is important. Yeah, it's probably encouragement. Uh, I wouldn't say so much pressure, but uh, you know, more uh, expectation. The way the expectation, the way they grew up, and you know, school is very important. And and uh, uh, if if you're only seeing you know people become doctors, engineers, or lawyers around you, then that's what you're going to gravitate towards, right? And did you grow up in a moneyed environment, wealth flowing all around you? Oh yeah, it was bling bling all the time. (laughs) Yeah, in all seriousness, (laughs) no, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. So it's not that you came from a wealthy environment. Yeah. Um, I guess the other thing to talk about too, um, most of your buddies, uh, two-parent household? Yeah, I would say for the majority, yes. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. for the most part, you get a double-parent household. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about this, we're talking, you know, we started initially talking about inflation and flooding the system with money, right? And we wrapped it around to say, okay, systemic racism, wealth inequality, all that. <clears throat> well, number one is the inflation and all that is causing the wealth inequality. Say that that's, again, dude. That's, that's the, the, the inflation is causing the wealth inequality. Okay? And it's a big driver, not, you know, rising prices. Nope, that's exactly of, of it. items of things. Um and and because when you create inflation, uh you're causing asset prices to go up, right? You're printing all this money, the money's going to chase assets. And who owns and the so assets? The wealthy owns assets. Do the so poor own the assets? Poors don't own assets. Exactly. See, what happens is now price poor. The, if you're poor, you know, most of your money goes towards consumer items, right? Con, con, you know, uh, uh, consumer goods. Yep. Uh, food, right? Clothing, uh, cars, you know, all furniture. And so now you have to pay a lot higher. And now the mentality on that, though, is like, well, wait, if I work more, then I'll be able to get nicer stuff. So mm-hmm. I can drive. I had a great discussion before we started recording. This remind me, I'll come back to it. So I can, you know, I want to buy the nicer car. I want to I want to wear clothes that have a nice stitching on the ass cheek so it looks like I have money, right? Because I have a certain label sewn on the butt cheek of my jeans or on the, the logo that's on my lapel or on my mm-hmm. the chest area of my shirt. But once you have money, I, I don't know. Do you care about that anymore? I don't care. No, I could not care less. In fact, I'm I'm more proud. You know, just side note on this: um, I had a wedding to go to a few mm-hmm. weeks ago, and dude, I, I couldn't believe it. I didn't have any pants. All I had was a couple <laughs> pairs of jeans. 
I know yeah. you don't even own long with, pants. You went. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to go. I, I did go to a wedding as well, and I uh, I you, wore my, um, you know, the the T-shirt that uh, has the, uh, tuxedo the tuxedo printed on it. <laughs> yeah, my tuxedo shirt. <laughs> and what'd you wear for pants? Uh, I had a pair of slacks that still fit. So <laughs> okay. So you'll love. I didn't tell you this. So. Um, my kid went Cactus. to the prom a couple, uh, I don't know, a month or so ago, two months ago. Mm-hmm. And so we had to go in there and get him a suit. And then I realized a couple of days later, I was like, oh, man, I need some slacks. So I went back into the same store. It was like a men's warehouse. <clears throat> and I walked in, saw the same salesman. He, he kind of looked like he kind of remembered me. I said, yeah, you set my kid up with the – he goes, oh, yeah, yeah. I said, I need a pair of sl-. He goes, what, you got an adult prom now? He was kind of joking. I said, no, mm-hmm. I've got a wedding. I need some pants. And he goes, I ah, just look around. So I walked over and I, I happened to see that this little rack said pants on sale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I looked down. I was like, oh, this is awesome. So a pair of very nice slacks cost me 20 bucks to get them altered. The pants were $10. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. And I remember, Patty, I've got slacks in the closet that I, my, uh, I'll blame the cleaners, you know, a little too much, a uh, little too much COVID time um, <laughs> that I don't fit into anymore that I'm sure I spent 100, 150 bucks for, you know, probably 20 years ago um, mm-hmm. that are still hanging there. But yeah, for $10, dude, I was so excited. <laughs> but I'm thinking about it, I can afford, you know, I can afford to buy the $150 slacks if I want to. Yeah. I was thrilled that I could get out of there for $10. Yeah. Like I'm tempted to wear them around. <laughs> Just to be like, hey, see how many how many wearings I can get out of a ten dollar pair mm-hmm. and you look at it like they're nice pants. Uh-huh. But for ten I got more thrill out of spending ten bucks on a pair of pants. Yeah. And I don't care if everybody knows. I'm more proud that they know. I I get a big kick out of it. Mm-hmm. But with someone who is worried about what other people think. They're worried about the label that they see on the pants. And that's the flaw in the system. And so, not the flaw in the system, the flaw in the human psychology. It might be something to do with American consumerism. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But the idea is if you can do delayed gratification and save the dollars and now start buying assets when you're mm-hmm. a poor person, right? And just delay, you know, don't buy stuff you don't need, don't buy overly costly things. Yeah, and eventually those things aren't really gratifying nope. anyways later. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And now you start investing that money. And now you're owning assets, not as many as a wealthy person does, but you're starting. Mm-hmm. And you got to start somewhere, Yep. Right? You started with nothing. I started with nothing. When I was starting mm-hmm. out, I, you know, I didn't grow up poor, but I didn't grow up rich. When I got out of school, I, I didn't have a dime and just started saving. And it can be done. So if any of you are listening saying, well, I don't have any money and all that, it's like, you got a lot. It's how you spend it. But so now what you do is you learn to buy assets. Assets go up in value. And that's the quote unquote secret for that. We were watching a, uh, I think you pointed it out to me. There's a great YouTube video. I'd encourage everybody to go search out. Uh, there's a CNN host interview, whatever you call it, anchor. Guy's name mm-hmm. is Don Lemon, L-E-M-O-N, I think is how you spell it. And he did an interview with Morgan Freeman from 2014. It's about a seven-minute clip, something like that. But do a search on YouTube, Don Lemon interview Morgan Freeman, 2014. And Lemon was trying, and if you don't know who either one are, they're both black guys. Lemon, I mean, uh, Lemon, you may or may not know. Morgan Freeman, I can't imagine you don't know who he is, but <laughs> a very famous actor. Uh, Morgan Freeman's probably... He's got to be 80 years old, right? If not even a little bit more than that. Yeah, he's pretty old. In that interview, Lemon was basically, he didn't say these words, it was basically, so do you think the system is against us? And Morgan Freeman looked at him, and Lemon is black, and he said, dude, it's not that. He said, look at you and I. Mm-hmm. You're an anchor on a major news network, and you're black. I made a ton of money in entertainment, I'm black. Mm-hmm. It ain't the color of my skin. And Lemon said, "Do you think people can pull themselves up by the boot? The people cannot pull themselves by the bootstrap." And Freeman looked him right in the eye and he said, "That's bullshit. You can. You just have to be willing to work." And he had a great line in there 
that said, you know, people use these excuses about, well, I'm stuck in the neighborhood in a bad, bad environment, and et cetera, et cetera. And no question, you don't want to be in that environment. But <laughs> you said, last time I looked, there's always buses leaving. You just That's gotta, right. You got to figure out how to get out of that environment. Mm-hmm. If it means you yeah, move, nobody, you move. Nobody's forcing you to. No, right. no. Yeah. And um, there's a line, I believe it was Malcolm X had the line. If it wasn't him, I may be misquoting the person. But what he said on there was, what you don't hate, you will tolerate. And so you have to get to the point where you don't like your situation. You'll do, otherwise you're going to tolerate it. Mm-hmm. And you got to figure out what you'll do differently. Change your behavior, change your beliefs, and that'll change your actions. Yeah. We were talking about something the other day. Oh, earlier we were talking. You know, I run a uh, Kiyosaki, Robert Kiyosaki, if you're not familiar with him, an awesome book and, and basically built a brand around something called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. One of the things he created off of that was a board game called Cashflow 101. If you've never played, strongly encourage you to go find a group somewhere that plays the game. You can do a search on meetup.com. Go find it in your area. A lot of places, you, they'll play it virtually, so you can meet a number of people. You just play the game online um, and look into that. And as we were talking through something, you said something that was profound, and I never thought of it. Remember what you asked me? Yeah, I said, uh, you know, you, you, you run those meetup groups, uh, you know, uh, talking about cash flow and or teaching people how to play cash flow. And how much do I finance. charge? Yeah, how much do I charge, Chris, for people to show up? It's free. Free. I, you pay yeah. for, and we're in a restaurant. Buy your own dinner. Right? Yeah. And even then, nobody polices it, you know, just, mm-hmm. but, you know, get something. It's just good form because they're, they're letting us sit there for free. It's no cost. Right. Yeah, and I thought about it, and it's like, okay, if we talk about, uh, you know, opportunities to learn, opportunities to grow, opportunities to, you know, get out of whatever situation you're in to become better financially, this is a great opportunity to do that, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, for the years that I've showed up, you know, showed up, um, I, I don't think there was a high number of, you know, black or African American people there. No, right? I would say less than ten percent. Yeah, you ask yourself, like, huh? Uh, but, you know, I see Asians, I see Indians, I see, you know, Hispanics, I see uh, white, right? I see, yep. you know, a variety, of, you know, diverse, very diverse group. Uh-huh. And it's not like you're holding it, you know, like in uh, a Chinatown area or something. No, or, uh, no. You know, it's it's all over the place, actually. Yep. Right? Yeah, but when you said that, I hadn't really thought about that. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. That's and most of the people that show up, they're not like, oh, I'm down the street, you know, five minutes away. They, no, people they, drive from, all over the place. Yeah, they drive from an hour away Yeah, to come in to see this. But it's very interesting. You just have to open your eyes to the opportunities that are out there. So, you know, the point is uh, when we see the like politicians or the government um, or media trying to uh, justify that, okay, this it's systemic racism and all that, and here's a all the things we need to do to suck. Okay, you broke up yeah. again. All the things we need to suck, and that's... <laughs> and then you broke up. Say it again. Can you still hear me? Yeah, now you're good. Go ahead. Okay, yeah, the, the, the microphone is going in and out. Um, uh, yeah, so um, you have you have the government, uh, you know, coming out in media saying, you know, these are the problems, okay? We, we, we know, or th- these this is the result of the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, they're trying, trying to address uh, the issue by adjusting the results instead of really dealing with the problem. Correct. Right? The problem is to give, uh, you know, to, to really address uh, the cultural issues that is, you know, not giving people, not, not you know, uh, having people to become more wealthy or uh, to reduce the wealth gap, right, is the main issue is inflation. <laughs> yes. Yep. <laughs> right. Because that is really messing people because, you know, the, the average person is just going to work and trying to save. And they don't understand about buying up assets. Right. And the school system doesn't teach that. And so, you know, if you really want to address it, then you would teach that in the school system, at least. Correct. But we don't have that. Yep. Okay. And then number two is, you know, you're throwing more money, you know, at this uh, issue, which is... Throwing more money is the problem to begin with. That's the inflation, mm-hmm. right? And so that's what they're doing is they're like, you know, you mentioned, hey, let's give money, free money to, uh, you know, people to stay at home. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're not out there looking for work. So where is this, all this money is coming from? 
It's coming from more dollars being pumped into the system. And it might feel good, you know, when you receive the paycheck, but how does it feel in the long run when these paychecks are meaningless because you can't even pay your bills? Correct. Because yeah, your rent's going up, right? Uh, Food's going up, clothing's going up, everything's going up. Um, And and you really, you're still stuck at the bottom. Yep. Yeah. So you would have to address it by, number one, financial education. And then number two is, you know, stop inflating, you know, the economy. Correct. um, That would hurt savers. Yeah, it's not a... I saw we were watching, you pointed this to me and I was watching it. There was a great quote. It was a Denzel Washington speech about something. I don't know if it was a graduation speech or if he was talking somewhere. Um, but he had a great line in there and he said, ease is a greater threat to progress than hardship. Mm-hmm. Ease is a greater threat to progress than hardship. Yeah. That is such a great line and so powerful That's and right. so true. Yeah, it cripples you. Exactly. So the issue isn't a skin color issue, right? It's it's a, mm-hmm. you could call it an inflation issue. It could be a cultural issue, right? Oh, well, yeah, it could it's be a cultural a issue as well, right? Yeah. If, you know, you hear, you hear it, you know, from, from uh, the, the African-American uh, celebrities or, you know, wealthy businessmen and stuff, and they say, you know, the problem, they, they would say it. They said the problem is, you know, a lot of kids growing up in those neighborhoods, they all aspire to be, you know, uh, professional athletes and uh, uh, entertainers. Yep, yep. And it's like, okay, how many of them will, you know, get out of 100? What's the percentage? Very small. Yep. And so if that's what you aspire to instead of like, hey, focusing, building your skill sets for life and to be successful – um, you know, you fail at being a professional athlete, then what do you have? Right. So that's, that's, you know, that, that's got to be changed. Yep. Right. And same thing as, you know, we talked about cultural as, as Asians, um, you know, what, what do they see? They see, oh, okay, be a doctor, be a, a, a lawyer, be engineer. an engineer. Yep. Yeah. Right. And so that's where I tend to see what most Asians, you know, become. Right. I heard someone, t- I think it was Ed Milet, runs a great podcast. And he had a, I don't know if he'd read this somewhere, heard it, hell, maybe he made it up. And whatever it was, doesn't matter, but it was a great point. And he said they asked kids in the U.S. what they want to be when they grow up. And the very common answer was famous. And that's a result of the YouTube, TikTok, you know, Facebook the generation. Social media, yeah. Yeah. And then they did an interview with kids in India. So what do you want to be when you grow up? Software engineer mm-hmm. was the most common answer. And like, what a difference. Mm-hmm. And think of what that does with regard to, you know, what's your behavior around being, wanting to be famous? What's your behavior around wanting to be a software engineer? Mm-hmm. That's hugely telling. And that's actually frightening if that statement is true for the U.S., that is not a cool thing <clears throat> that doesn't bode well for an upcoming generation. So in, in, if you take a step back, it's like, okay, if, you know, what does it take to be a success, right? Whether it's, whether it's fame, whether it's software engineer, whether it's engineer, doctor, it doesn't matter, right? Whether it's a podcast host, what does it take to be a success? Mm-hmm. Three things. You and I know them. We, we, we recite them to each other. First one is you got to be willing to work hard. You got to have a good work ethic. Second, you got to follow instructions. Follow instructions. So you don't need to blaze your own trail. Lots of people have gone there before you. Just find someone that's done it and just mimic what they've done. Just copy it. You don't need to be a, uh, you don't need to be the Zuckerberg that creates some new idea that he called Facebook. You'd be totally fine copying what someone else has done. And then the last thing is you got to be willing to do it for a long time. You got to have a don't quit attitude, right? It's not yeah, going to You know, each, each time I share, you know, those three things uh, with people, I, I never get like a, um, I never get a response that, uh, that can disagree. Yeah. Nobody, nobody argues with it. Yeah. It's like, huh, that's right. Yep. <laughs> that's right. You can't, there, there isn't anything that if you apply those three things, um, that you cannot be successful with. Correct. You to know. repeat them. You've got to have a good work ethic, so you're willing to work hard. 
Mm-hmm. Can you follow instructions? Again, you don't have to. You do not have to blaze your own trail. Other people have gone there before you. Just step where they stepped. Right. Do as you're told, and then have a long-term approach. Can you do it for a long time? Another, or said differently, have a don't quit attitude. You're going to hit the wall. You're going to you're going to fail. There's no quite. You're going to have setbacks, but you don't fall backwards. You fall forward. You either win or you learn. And then you go on to do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again. And it doesn't matter if you're, if you're pursuing something in art, in music, in sports, in business, stock trading, real estate, you name it. It's the same answer. It's those three traits. Work hard or a strong work ethic. Can you follow a set of instructions? And then be able to, con- you know, con- te- don't quit. Do it for a long time. Mm-hmm. And what's really cool is that exists in this country today. Despite all the shit that the media says, everything is wrong here. That exists in this country today. And that's why people from countries all around the world still want to come here. Chris, do you have any desire to go live in another country? No, not at all. Zero. Maybe another state. Yeah. <laughs> if California is the yep. way it is. <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting to me in San Francisco this past week, but the whole, that's a whole other podcast episode. But yeah, zero desire to live in another country. The opportunities here are immense. Is it perfect here? Hell no. But it's better here than anywhere else. And that doesn't make it okay. But that says then that, you know, I've I, I discussed with a few people saying, if you don't like it here, dude, go live in another country. They have no, no, none. they don't know where to go. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, you know, that was, you know, when whoever, whenever Republicans going to be elected, right, in a presidential election, you get the celebrity cycle will come out and go, well, if that guy gets elected, I'm moving to Canada. And they never do, right? <laughs> right? And people won't leave because they realize the opportunities here are incredible. All you got to be doing, all you may be willing to do is those three things work hard, follow instructions, rinse and repeat. Do it for a long time. Have a don't quit attitude. Just remember, ease is a greater threat to progress than hardship. Mm -hmm. Such a great line. And also what you don't hate, you will tolerate. So if you don't like the situation that you're in, take a good long look. There's a bus Do something about it. Yeah. Step step up and fix it. Will you get there overnight? No. But you don't want to. It's going to take work and you learn from that. You know, there was the uh, that saying, I think you use it, you say, if you can fix a problem with money, it's not a problem. Yeah, say that again. Right? If you can fix a problem with money, it's not a problem. Correct. Right, and so, uh, you know, when I look at the government, they're trying to fix, they're trying to throw money at <laughs> the economy. Yep. Right, and the economy is a problem, right? The money system is a problem. The yep. debt crisis is a problem. Yep. The inflation is a problem, and they're trying to fix it with money. It's like, if it can be fixed, it's not a problem, right? Correct. So this is it is a real problem that we're having. So it cannot be fixed with money. Mm-hmm. So you cannot fix the problem with more of what caused the problem. That's basically it. Yep. If those of you are wondering that um, this will be a little bit of a plug, and I don't mean it to be that way, in the in the stock class that I teach. It, the method is good. I'm not, not going to plug it. I don't need to. It's enough, enough positive feedback I get on that. One of the things I point out to people is once you get the hang of this, um, financial problems go away. And from the standpoint of if you have an issue that can be solved by writing a check, you really don't have a problem. It's the problems that you can't resolve by writing a check. And that could be an you know, example if you've got a health issue, if somebody near you has a health issue. You know, simple things like that. You, something goes wrong with your car, something goes wrong with the roof, you can write a check for it. That's, you can take care of those. That's fine. It's when someone near to you has a health crisis or you've got a health crisis. You can't write a check for that. And now that's the problem. And so the idea behind time freedom is to get to the point where if and when that situ- and that situation is going to hit all of us at some point. You live long enough, it's either going to hit you or someone near you. <clears throat> where you're going to have to spend some time with somebody on a, let's say it's a health crisis. You want to have the financial means where you're able to spend the time. You're getting to do it now with kids. You don't, the kids are, your kids are healthy. They're fine. 
But it's very cool that you and your wife are able to spend 24-7 with two little ones raising them. That is awesome. Yeah, I mean, we're very blessed to be able to do that. Um, you know, I uh, because I have the opportunity to do that, and if I were to look at, you know, what if I had to go to work, uh, not just 9 to 5, but, you know, 9 to 5 is easy, right? Yep, exactly. Uh, but most people are doing, you know, 10, 12, 14 hours yep. um, to support a family. And I'm like, man, I, I couldn't imagine what I would miss out. And, uh, you know, because the joy I feel, you know, when I have time with them and spend with them, it's like I wouldn't, I wouldn't, no money could buy that. Correct. And uh, if I had to labor and, and, and go out and, you know, provide for the family by spending all that time at a job, um this is what I'm missing out on, right? And a lot of people are missing out on that. But now someone's going to go, oh, well, dude, you're so lucky you got that. Like, uh, okay. Chris, did you work hard when you were learning to trade? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you did it <laughs> while you were working full-time in a high-pressure sales job. Mm -hmm. And did you follow instructions that were laid out for you? Yes. Not Eventually. at work, but... Uh... <laughs> 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 but in all seriousness, right? You worked hard. Yeah. Yeah. No question about it. You spent tons of time studying this stuff. Yeah. And you followed instructions that were laid out for you. Mm -hmm. And did you have a long-term approach? I did. And did you have a don't quit attitude on it? Never quit. Did you get your ass kicked more than once? Uh, a lot more than that. <laughs> yeah. Tons of times, right? You ever feel like quitting? Yeah. Nope. Uh, really? Because I felt like quitting a couple of times. You get so frustrated, pissed off, annoyed. Like uh, just so, when I say feel like quitting, but just like oh, just so frustrated. Yeah, maybe you know. I'm, I'm sure the thoughts always come across, but I it never it never really lingered. I you know I guess I'm stubborn enough, you know. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, you get the you know you get defeated sometimes. You feel like right. Yes. Um. So you know, especially in the early years, it's like whoa, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I started at the height of the dot com, and you know, you're going through a bear market, uh, not knowing how to. You know, well, I mean, where'd all my money go? Don't even know what a bear market is. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> right. But it was those three traits. That's what you got. That's when you didn't know it at the time, but looking back on it, that's what allowed you to become a success at this. Mm -hmm. Right. Willing to work hard. Yeah. And not just willing, but did. Yeah. Um, followed instructions and kept at it and didn't quit. Mm -hmm. And you could even say, you know, there's a coachability aspect of there, right? You were willing to learn and you were willing to change because mm -hmm. you, you, you weren't, um, sorry, I want to say this. You didn't know anything about the stock market when you started, so you're willing to learn, but you also had, you had to be willing to change your mindset on stuff mm -hmm. as you went through this, right? I went through the same issues Yeah. and you get to the point now it's like, okay, is it perfect now? No. You still have losses in trades? Yep. I'm assuming of you course. still have losses. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But does it does it make you uh you know, does it pull you off your uh, off your tree branch? Nope. Nope. Just accept it, you move on. You know it's gonna happen, no problem. Yeah, it's interesting when I tell pe most people, um, you know, uh, hey, so you gotta spend minimum right, three to five years, right, to to kinda get your get yourself, you know, kinda deep into this and uh and and have a chance at time freedom. And then they think like, Oh, three to five years is a lot of work, you know? And, and I'm like, they don't realize I've been doing it. So for like 20 years, yes. plus, yep. you know, yep. it's like, come on. And if you compare three to five years, what are you comparing it to? How, how long you, how long have you been working? Yeah. And how much longer will you continue to work? What, what are your choices? If you wanted time freedom, what other choice do you have? Well, that you can also look back and say, you know, five years, that sounds like a long time. Five years ago, Trump was put into office. Yeah. <laughs> that was only five no, years ago. not long at all. No, it goes very fast. Yeah. I mean, earlier you, you, you asked, hey, how long have I been unemployed, right? You know, 10 years and you were like 20 years. And, mm -hmm. and then I told you that uh, I, I, I noticed something. I, I noticed a, a ring around my neck. <laughs> <laughs> People will love this. Go ahead. This, this, if you've never met Lamb, this is Lamb's outlook on life. You get these weird little 
Wow. Yeah, it's wisdom. It's wisdom. Yeah, you can call it whatever you want. <laughs> call it rings of wisdom, you know? <laughs> Stuff that pops up in his head. So we're on the phone earlier today talking about what we're going to talk about. And he goes, oh, let me... Let me show the little guy waking up, right? So he calls me back on the on the uh, like FaceTime equivalent. So uh, I get to see his son in the crib, right, staring up at me. And then you said, "Hey, guess what I learned?" Now you can tell a story from there. <laughs> yeah, I learned. Uh, you know, as you age, uh, each decade you get a new ring around your neck. <laughs> uh, you know, a ring of wrinkles. <laughs> That's how you can tell people's age. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so. He's pointing out, and he goes, see, look, check it out, right? And he's showing me the on his face. He goes, yeah, see, this, I got an extra ring, man. I'm 40. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, show it's me like, your neck. It's like, man? no, I'm not showing you my neck. <laughs> Stretch it out, you'll see. Yeah, exactly. Like we're having a porn call. Show me yours. Like, no. <laughs> it's kind of like, uh, I guess you know how people, uh, they say if you look at the tree, there's a ring around the tree. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I guess we're the same way, you know. So pretty funny. So now all of, all the listeners are going to go out and look at the people. The first thing they do is look in the mirror. Look at the neck. As yeah. they're brushing their teeth, whenever next time they walk in the bathroom, going to check. And or they're going to look at people around and go, oh, yeah. Yeah, pay attention. You can tell how old people are, what decades they're in. <laughs> yep. That's cool. All right. Any other parting words of wisdom? No, not at all. <laughs> Where are we at? Cool. About an hour. So as always, um, we know that you'll, if you'll put into practice what we've talked about on this episode, what we've talked about on earlier episodes, and I'm sure what we'll talk about on upcoming episodes, other than <laughs> rings around your neck. Rings around your neck. Yeah. If you apply it, it can help you get to time freedom. Time freedom, I promise you, is an awesome, awesome, awesome spot to be. And, you know, we've both been there. You said earlier, I've been there about 20 years. Chris been there about 10 and if something were to go south and had to go back to work, I, you know, do what I needed to do, get whatever job I could, and would instantly go back in the market and trade the, trade the hell out of it to get back to freedom in a very, very short order. And, and for no other reason, it wouldn't have to be worth a bazillion dollars, just enough to cover the living expenses. Because it is so nice to have the time to do what you wish to do on your, it's really at your choice. And so whatever you choose to pursue, whether it's a stock market as we do, we, I can't say enough good things about it. If it's real estate, you, you can hear our opinions in earlier episodes. If it's starting a small business or you know starting a restaurant, sell stuff on Amazon, online business, whatever you want to do, it's fine. If you'll apply what we've talked about in these, it is applicable across all those elements in life and all those ways to make a buck. So it is well worth your time putting it into practice. As always, we appreciate you appreciate you listening. We'll look forward to speaking to you next time. Take care. Say goodnight, Chris. Good night. Good night.